Welcome, Dungeon Masters, to How to Be a Better DM, the official podcast of Monsters.Friend. Today, I'm your host, Justin Lewis, and together let's discover how to make every session the best session of Dungeons & Dragons with you as the Dungeon Master. Today, like so many other episodes, I'll be discussing some tips for how to deal with a particular problem that faces many Dungeon Masters. Unlike other episodes, though, today I offer my point of view with the full knowledge that I myself am new at facing this particular challenge. And with that in mind, I hesitate to say anything at all because I don't want to offend anyone or give them the impression that I even know half of what I'm doing. Today, we are going to talk about how to be a dungeon master and play D&D regularly when you have kids. Big topic, I know, but we're going to try anyways. As some of you might know, my child was born back in August of 2023, and him coming into my life has really shaken things up for me, as parenthood has for many people across, you know, the thousands and thousands of years that the Earth has existed. I firmly believe that parenthood changes a lot for you, but it doesn't have to delete your hobbies and passions. And in fact, one of the great challenges of parenthood is finding ways to continue doing all the things that you love with the addition of your family. And I think that's actually a great example to set for your kids. And it leads to a lot, a uh, lot less resentment uh, towards them in life. And it leads to a lot less resentment towards them later in life, but it also leads them to pursue passions and hobbies and learn how to balance things as well. Obviously, I'm not saying that you should forget about your kids and your family. In fact, there's a fine line to walk. And sometimes you do have to pass up a particular session because your family needs you. But hopefully, with these tips, that won't happen as often. And before I get started into the tips, I need to give you a brief disclaimer. You absolutely need to know and understand that in no way, shape, or form am I a parenting expert. I have less than one month experience as of recording this episode, and I do not give any of this as direct parenting advice. Instead, these are ideas that you can try out. And like I said, I've only been a parent for a little more than, you know, a month now, and I'm not really the guru of parenting that I wish I was. So take my advice at your own peril. But with that said, these ideas aren't that extreme. You know, with some tweaking and changing, you should be able to make it work for your unique situation. So let's get into it. First step, first tip is get the buy-in of your significant other. The first thing you need to do is get the buy-in from your loved one, right? Your, your co-parent. This is crucial because as we all know, communication is key in any relationship. And it's also important for you and your partner to both communicate your wants and wishes. You want something. In this case, you probably want to play D&D. Your partner wants something too. And the only way to know what they want and let your partner know what you want is to communicate. This works the same with partners where one partner is playing D&D or partners where both partners play D&D in the same D&D group, right? If the partners are in the same D&D group, then the buy-in you each need to give and get is for a commitment from each of you to do whatever it takes to make the games happen and make them fun for both partners. This means that each of you need to be willing to adapt and try new things that will probably feel weird at first or look strange. 
if only one partner is playing in a D&D group, then the buy-in changes a little bit. You both need to give your buy-in, but in this case, the terms of the agreement sort of change. In the case of the non-player partner in the relationship, the buy-in needs to be such that they are willing to watch or care for the child slash children while you play D&D. That's obvious, right? They need to understand how long the games will be and the cadence of the games. They absolutely must not be surprised at how often the games happen or how long the games go. Uh, if that's the case, that will be disaster. That will spell disaster for your D&D career, right? Now, on the player side of this agreement, the terms are also a little bit different. You will probably need to show some sort of willingness to make it so that the non-player partner can have some sort of similar opportunity to hang out with friends and kind of relax and do something fun that they like to do. Uh, you know, it's a give and take. If they watch the child while you play D&D, then you will probably need to watch the child while they go out every once in a while. You know, hopefully at a cadence that's similar to D&D. Or maybe you just need to be more willing to be more present with the child when you are at home, right? You, you go and play D&D, but when you come back, they want you to be back. They want you to be there and be present with the child and, and with them, honestly. Uh, it's very possible that you may not need to give anything for your partner to be okay with you going to play D&D every week or every other week or however you do it. But you definitely need to make sure that they express their wants and wishes and you hear them again. Otherwise, you're headed for disaster. So in this situation, you need to express your wants and wishes. I want to play D&D and this is kind of what to expect. And then you sit back and listen what they want. And you come to agreement and you both create the life you want to live, right? That's that's kind of the idea here. After you get your partner buy-in, the second thing you need to do is get your table to buy-in. And because this podcast is for Dungeon Masters specifically, I'm going to talk about that viewpoint. But that doesn't mean that this advice doesn't apply to everyone at the table. So first, you need to talk to everyone at the table and help them adjust their expectations from you. You have a child, a family, right? If you, if this is a newborn, like my case, then you need to tell them that things are probably going to change. You know, if you're starting up a new group, you need to tell them, I have a family that takes precedence, right? That means that sometimes I won't have as much time to prepare the D&D sessions, or sometimes my D&D sessions will need to be cut a little short, right? Honestly, it might even mean that I, I, I might have to DM with a baby in my hands, right? Or, or kids running around, you know, uh, however it looks for you. And, and your situation will look different and unique. And you need to tell your players or, or your, your, your co-table mates what that's going to look like and help them understand and also give them the chance to decide whether that's something that they actually want to deal with because it's your child, it's not theirs, you know, and, and they don't have to deal with it. And that's okay, right? They can decide, I don't want to play at this table because I, I'm, I'm not really into that sort of uh, situation where we might have to cancel sessions because you have to deal with your family, right? But it also, in this instance, it, it doesn't hurt for you to explain to them that you're committed to the table as well, right? They should also understand that you're going to try and make it so things happen so everyone wins, everyone's happy, right? You care about the game and you absolutely want it to be a success, but they do have to know both sides. And just as long as everyone at the table is fully aware at least as much as you can, 
of the experience that they are going to have while playing and they are all okay with it, including yourself, then you have set your table up for success. And in, in most cases, I would say like 99.99% of the time, you will not have anyone say, yeah, I don't want you to, to DM with a baby on your hip, right? Uh, sorry, reverse that. Most cases, people will be completely fine with it, right? Because people are naturally good and they understand that they like people, right? That you're probably playing with your friends. But on those rare occasions, you do have to respect if someone declines and withdraws themselves. The next tip is to enlist the help of relatives or friends. And this is because what you want to do is you want to start compiling a list of people that you 100% trust that might be willing to watch your child while you play D&D. And often relatives are a good place to start. You know, if there are grandparents in the mix that are good grandparents, then that is probably the best place to start because they love spoiling your kids and they love, you know, hanging out with your kids and then sending them home to wreak havoc in your house. But brothers, sisters, cousins, and even maybe neighborhood babysitters work just as well. Uh, the type of babysitter will probably change depending on how many kids you have and what ages and, and so forth. And also, if you can find a relative that is willing to watch your child for free, that's honestly the best situation because D&D happens periodically. You know, my party meets once a week. So paying for a babysitter every week can definitely start to add up, you know, and this might even be a situation where you could do some sort of babysitting trade. So find someone who needs babysitting themselves on days or nights when you're not playing D&D and you sort of trade back and forth, right? Uh, that, that would be a good situation. The next tip is uh, just kind of a general tip that I'd like to give. And it's that you need to adapt, right? You need to be creative. And, and in fact, just as creative at finding a solution to play D&D as you are when you're actually playing D&D and you're thinking about those harebrained schemes, right? Life gets complicated and messy. And when you can think outside the box to find those uncommon solutions, things seem, they just seem to work better, right? They, they turn out better. Uh, so now let's talk about some more specific methods that might be just what you need to make playing D&D with a child or children at home that much more possible. So before we were kind of talking about some general things of what to do, but this is really talking about your kids are still in the house. You are dungeon mastering and what do you do, right? So the first one is play D&D while you're sleeping. Uh, so the idea here is you simply go play D&D if your kids go to sleep or after they go to bed, you know, uh, most kids have an earlier bedtime than adults. So playing after hours might be the best solution. And if your group has content that belongs after hours anyways, then this is probably a match made in heaven, right? If you do give this method a try, there are a few things that you should think about. For example, how loud is my group? If your group happens to play loud and proud, right, then you might consider trying a different method. Or you might think about soundproofing the room you play in. At the end of the day, pun intended, the last thing you want is for your child to wake up screaming or crying and just to have a bad time because they can't sleep, right? The second question is you need to ask, will we be playing at my house? If your group doesn't play at your house, then having your child sleep may be a little strange depending on the circumstances. For example, if your group normally plays at the local game store, then having a child sleep while you play probably won't work without a babysitter. On the other hand, if your group does play at a friend's house, and that friend is okay with you bringing a pack and play or a bassinet or sitting up 
you know, some sort of bed in another room, and then your kid might be able to get some nice sleep and then you can have a fun game. Uh, the next question is, will the child sleep in the same room that we play D&D in? If you have a small infant like I do, then having them sleep in a different room would probably be a very unpleasant thought, at least right now, right? In the newborn phase of your child's growth. For me, I would need to have the baby in the same room in a bassinet or something just for my peace of mind. If the child is older, then having them in another room would likely be the ideal situation so that the child can get a good night's sleep and you can kind of sort of train them to sleep on their own and you can do your own thing, right? As a listener of this show, you obviously love story. Now that you've had a chance to craft your own story by listening to this show, wouldn't it be nice to get some inspiration? Or maybe you just want a moment of immersion and escape and entertainment. Whatever it is, come join us on our new show, Packed and Boom. It's an actual play D&D podcast in the world of Calignos, where our characters Jolly, Wolfgang, and Alan will find and meet each other in hell. And from there, start a troublemaking journey with some near-death experiences that will hopefully lead them to a happy ending. Find it wherever great podcasts are heard or just go to sessionzerostudios.com slash packed and boom. That's P-A-C-T-N-B-O-O-N. Start listening today. Uh, next, need to ask, will the child need monitoring? If the child is young enough, monitoring might need to be set up to keep track of the child and to make sure that they do not fall victim to any sort of danger that could harm them. The worst thing that could happen is your child befalls some sort of danger or some sort of danger befalls your child while you're playing D&D and you're unaware, right? That could ruin D&D forever for you. That could put a very bad taste in your mouth, right? If they're in the same room, you don't have to worry about that. But if they're in a different room, then you might want to bring all of your technological prowess to bear. So maybe, you know, maybe the simplest and cheapest method of monitoring a child would be to set up some sort of video call or FaceTime chat between two phones and just put one in the room facing the child and kind of, you know, tape it there or something, right? That's that's a pretty cheap way, although you might need to uh, check your data for, for calls and things like that and see if that, that, that is something you can do. But more expensive options include things like, you know, buying an outlet camera or simple baby monitors or more. You know, there's all sorts of options out there. Um, one that, you know, is probably a little cheaper, but a little bit maybe more risky depending on your situation is you simply just go check on the child every once in a while. Again, not giving you specific advice on what to do, but these are ideas you can try. Now, if you want to try D&D with baby in arms, right? This is specifically for the case of people who have infants, not young children. And, you know, this is actually what I do currently right now. Th this option is only available to you if your table is open to it. Obviously, we talked about it a little bit, but they, they need to know that there's a major possibility that at random intervals, whoever's holding the baby will have to tap out of the game for a moment to take care of the baby, feed the baby, you know. Also, there's a possibility of the baby crying in the middle of the game, which could ruin moments, right? But that said, if your baby's young enough, then having them sit in your arms or something like that can be a great thing. For example, even as I wrote this episode, you know, preparing it and, and preparing to record it, I had my son in a baby carrier strapped to my chest, kind of swaying back and forth. I sat at my kitchen table writing while trying to keep him, you know, pretty calm. And uh, it worked, right? So whatever you have to do works. 
But when pursuing this method, it, it definitely helps to have certain tools at your disposal. For example, the baby carrier that I already mentioned or some swaddles to keep the baby wrapped up nice and snug and uh, nice and snug. Uh, you know, having some clean binkies or toys might be great. And, and if you're breastfeeding your baby, having one of those breastfeeding shawls or covers so that way you can feed the baby while at the table, that would be also very helpful as well, just to, to keep your privacy and things like that. In this case though, I would say having your character sheet on some sort of computer or iPad would actually be preferable to having it on paper because an electronic device is a lot harder to kind of get mixed up a little bit when you have a squirming baby in your arms. Papers can get pushed all around and things like that. So I would definitely recommend that. But at the end of the day, whatever works for you is what works. Okay, now let's talk about getting a babysitter. I've already talked about getting a babysitter. So what else can I say more? But I actually do have some more to say. So uh, let's get into it. When you look for a, a local babysitter, there are a few things you can try. I would actually start by asking family and friends to be babysitters in that order. Family is usually more willing to help than friends, but friends can be just as awesome as well. Uh, whoever it is, make sure absolutely you trust them completely and that you leave crystal clear instructions on how to care for your child and what to do in an emergency, right? Again, the last thing you want is while you're playing D&D having fun, something bad happens to your child and ruins D&D for you forever, right? We want child to be happy and healthy. We want you to enjoy playing D&D. After family and friends, you might try local neighborhood kids if they are in that kind of perfect babysitting age. 12 to 16 is kind of that good range. But personally, I would opt for a, a girl babysitter over a guy just because they're generally a little bit more patient, kind, and understanding of, of children's needs and and teenage boys just aren't quite there yet in most cases. But you do, you do you, right? Uh, if you still can't find a babysitter, you've asked your friends, family, all that, you can ask your local church if you attend one to see if there might be someone there that could help. But after that, you, you start asking people you know if they know someone, right? Uh, chances are someone you know with a small child will know someone who babysits for them and things like that. Always vet those people, even if they're referrals from people you trust, always vet them to your heart's content because sometimes things aren't exactly as they appear. Uh, lastly, you can hire a professional babysitter from, you know, professional service, but again, that's going to cost you much more. Next tip is to involve your child. This is obviously for children who are not in the infant stage. So, uh, you know, this doesn't include myself. Uh, your kids, assuming they're old enough to start to understand some of the game, you might consider actually bringing them in and kind of helping you if you're the DM. Uh, it doesn't need to be said, though. I'll, I'll mention it again. You can only do this if your group is okay with it, right? If your group is like, I'd, I'd prefer not then you know you might need to think of something else and you also need to realize that your other players in the groups have you know it's possible they'll have kids too that they might want to involve and and if you do that you know the whole thing can really spiral out of control real fast so just make sure you're doing it in a really wise way if your kid is you know in the range of five to ten years old you might have them actually sit at the table and start to play the game with you right if, if you are okay with it or if your dm is okay with it the child could sort of become like an NPC. You know, there's that NPC that the group always adopts. You could have the child play that NPC uh, or, or actually some sort of familiar, right? Like an actual animal or something like that. 
You can ask them what they would do and how they would act in certain situations. Obviously, you don't want them to take the, the show away, you know, steal the spotlight. But uh, if you play a paladin, cleric, or warlock, or have a character who does, you might have your child play the part of their deity or patron, respectively, sort of giving the character guidance in moments of need. Oh, great God, please tell me what to do. And then you ask the, the child and say, what would you explain them? What would you tell them to do? Uh, in most cases, this will likely lead to some fun laughs along the way, but you and your kid will hopefully bond over this fun hobby, Dungeons and Dragons. If your child is younger, you might have them, and, and younger meaning, you know, two, two years old to five years, right? You might actually have them sit on your lap and roll the d20 anytime you need one rolled. Uh, they can be around you and the game and, and to start to enjoy the, the, the dice rolling and sort of seeing the outcome, hearing the the triumph of everyone as they cry, yes, uh, natural 20 or, or dismay for natural ones. Um, I would say if they're young childs, they'll make sure don't leave them alone with the small dice or buy really big dice that they can't fit in their mouth, right? I was actually looking online. There are some sort of kind of foam dice that are about the size of your fist uh, that uh, you can squish and that, you know, they're safe, but you can still roll them. So that might be a great option. Obviously, this only works, though, if your child cooperates. So if they aren't sitting still or whatever, or if they're just not impressed with the game, don't press the point. Let kiddo run away and go, go play games, right? You may be asking yourself, how do I get more out of how to be a better DM? You probably want even more tips, more entertainment, or perhaps just exclusive access to a secret society of people bent on ruling the world. Well, we don't actually have desires to rule the world, but it does sound like what you want and what you need is to join our Patreon. You'll get access to our private Discord, which will give you direct access to all the hosts of this show, as well as our other dungeon masters who are just like you. You'll also be able to make fan requests for how to be a better DM. And lastly, you just help support the show so we can give you ever better content. If you want to join the Patreon, go to sessionzerostudios.com slash startadventure and join our Patreon today. One of the simpler tips is just to simply play shorter sessions, right? Uh, if you have to balance being a parent and a dungeon master, just play sh shorter sessions. And I know that we're all thinking that this is probably the least desirable method, but you have to admit that it is effective. Ask your players if they're willing to play shorter sessions, but and, and most will probably agree. Uh, but in my opinion, it's worth it to keep the game going week to week rather than doing a four-hour session and then never playing again, in my opinion. Doing shorter sessions is a good method to try for a couple reasons, actually. For, for one, you don't always have to play shorter sessions. Sometimes you'll get a good four-hour game in and other times you'll have to cap it at one hour, right? It'll change based on the day. Secondly, having shorter sessions means that you actually have to prepare less as a dungeon master. You don't have to come to the table with four hours prepared if you're only planning on playing for two hours, right? It's a much easier process. So even though it might be a really great idea to do shorter sessions, you'll still need to remember some things, right? You'll have to keep these in mind. With shorter sessions your table will need to understand that they really need to pay attention and be courteous when the spotlight is on someone else, right? You can't have people at the back of the table sharing videos or things like that if you have only two hours and you you know every distraction takes time away, right? In those moments, 
everyone needs to be adults and wait patiently for their turn. Doing so will allow a reciprocal exchange of respect for everyone at the table, and it'll make it so each person can do their own thing interrupted and actually therefore do it faster, making it easier to get to everyone and making sure everyone has fun. I find this consideration to be one that people seem to miss a little bit. Even though we're playing a make-believe game, we can actually still all act like adults, right? We don't have to act like kids who get distracted while waiting for someone else to finish talking. So tell your players that. And this next tip is also a little bit obvious, but we can just play online, right? If you can't find a babysitter, then consider playing online. I know for some people it's a big leap, right? But drastic circumstances call for drastic measures. Being able to play online can allow you to take breaks every so often to do those necessary things with your kid, right? Change their diaper or play a little bit with them. You know, be, be somewhat present. Make sure they're not dead, right? And if you actually have a wireless headset and are a master at multitasking, then maybe you would consider doing both at the same time, right? Being with your kid and playing D&D. But I don't recommend that personally. I'm not very good at multitasking. And personally, I believe that dividing yourself between two things means that two things only get fractions of your whole self. So, you know, in my opinion, you don't really want to do that to your kid and your D&D group. But playing online does allow you to shift a little bit more easily from one to the other. And it's, it's you know, it's a whole lot easier to keep an eye on your kid as they're playing with toys in the same room that you are in while you're playing D&D. Uh, and, and in a way that they're not, you know, distracting your other players. You'll probably need to ask for some patience with this from your group because you'll likely need to give some direction or attention to your kid every once in a while, but this might just be the fit that you need to make sure you keep playing. Uh, next, become a scheduling wizard. This last tip is one I would suggest to make sure you just become really good at maintaining your schedule. And this is actually for a few reasons. You know, as a parent, any time you get to yourself is precious, right? Just as any time you have with your little one is precious. And you want to make the most of both, right? So being able to allot the right amount of time for the things that are important to you will make sure that they don't fall by the wayside. And that includes Dungeons and Dragons. And in fact, you'll actually also be able to fulfill any promises you made to that significant other about watching the kids so they can go do something fun too. So when it comes time for you to go play D&D and they have to watch the kid, they don't resent you. Time is our most precious resource because when you think about it, it's really the only thing we have. Being able to spend the right amounts of time doing the things that matter makes all the difference. Now, there's a big chance that a lot of you don't have kids and, and that's okay. You'll likely play with someone who does. And these tips will allow you to help them and be in their corner. It should also give you a little bit more sympathy for parents trying to play D&D and parent at the same time. At the end of the day, I hope these tips have given you some really good ideas. Uh, hopefully sparked some ideas that are better than what I've told you. And hopefully some more creative ideas. You know, ones that I didn't even think about. D&D uh, is, is, is fun and so is being a parent. And honestly, I believe that we can truly do both, right? I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. So reach out to me on Instagram or uh, just, you know, join our community, the guild. Go to monsters.rent slash get started and you'll see what I mean. But thank you for joining me on today's episode. We'll be back next week with another awesome episode. But until then, let's go ahead and roll initiative.